welcome to the latest episode of Life Uprooted with Sonia. I am Sonia, the author and guide of each episode of this podcast. And I created it with curiosity in mind and kind of retrospective of what it takes to build and create a successful life from ground up, pot intended, when you pick up your roots and transplant them to another soil, whether it be a different language, culture, country, you name it. I'm talking from my own experience, transplanting my roots from my home country of Czech Republic and building a new life from scratch here in the United States, where I've lived for the past 17 years. And today's episode is labeled My Language, Your Language. And it just builds on the episode we had yesterday, where we spent time talking about the importance of learning the language of your new culture, of your new soil. And tonight, though, I want to mention the importance of really keeping, protecting, preserving your native tongue. And what happened to me when I moved here 17 years ago, being a firstborn, being um, a people pleaser, being someone who was extremely successful at adapting almost to a fault, I really, really wanted to fit in. I hated when people would say, oh, where's your cute accent from? Just about killed me. And then when people say, oh, you have such a cute way of saying it. So I worked really hard at eliminating all these cuties to become almost indistinguishable from a native speaker, which I don't think is quite possible. And actually, at this point, I have come to embrace who I am with all the idiosyncrasies and all the little things that I bring from my home culture to make this a unique life experience for me and embracing fully, authentically who I am without trying to be everybody else. Because if I'm everybody else, then who is Sonia? Who's going to be me, right? And so 17 years ago, when I moved to the United States, working so hard at being somebody else, I nearly forgot to speak my own tongue. And it wasn't entirely my fault. I simply lived in the culture where there were minimal, I, I think at that time there was no other Czech person that I could actually speak Czech with. So I was forced really to exercise this new muscle of English language while I was slowly letting my Czech language muscle atrophy. And it was not really noticeable to me, but every time I would take a trip back home to the Czech Republic to visit family and friends, because my entire family and my friends were left behind there, I found myself struggling more and more for words. And that is uneasy for someone who considers herself a wordsmith. I would be quick on my feet. I could retort rather quickly. I would be in, in these fun word matches and puns and all these things that all of a sudden didn't come as second nature. I used to laugh at people who would come and visit from abroad, like Czech people who would be living elsewhere, 
and would laugh people. I am so embarrassed to say that. I would laugh at their inability to really speak full and check. They would always have these um, um, and they would stuff in English words or other words with the wrong accent and everything. And I thought they're just showing off. I honestly was ignorant about what it feels like, what it looks like when you actually spend significant time elsewhere, not in your home country. And so all of a sudden, I found myself being in their group. Yeah, that was a big shot to my ego. So I would say, you know, about the time I became first-time mom, my focus shifted. Even though I may have not been surrounded by any more checks, all of a sudden, I had this baby coming and I realized the importance of teaching them check and really doing my best, to the best of my abilities to preserve, protect and pass on this important treasure, which was my language, because that would be the connecting cord back to my family, to my past, to anything I would like to share with my, with my kids. Because my family is not really English-speaking. My friends, some of them are, but not everybody. And it's not really fair of me to expect them to learn English. So it had to be my job if I was really desiring that connection with my Czech family and my, my country, my heritage, to do the best I could to pass that on and instill that love for the language and understanding of the language within that foreign environment. And it's a big feat, you guys, because you're just one little person, tiny, tiny person with a very, very minority language, trying to go against the grain, against the strong, strong current of another language, the dominant language. And I accepted a challenge. The good thing is that when you start from baby on or baby up, you start with baby words. You don't need to say anything, you know, like at the MBA level. You don't have to speak as an engineer. You basically start speaking baby talk, recalling songs that I knew from childhood. And all of a sudden, it was coming back to me. And you guys, I didn't know how bad it got until I got a feedback from one of my college friends whom I would see every time I would visit who said, oh, I am so glad that your language is coming back. I was so afraid that you would lose your, your ability to speak Czech. And I said, what do you mean? Or she said, well, every time I would see you, you sounded less and less confident in your own uh, first language. And that was a big surprise to me, but I guess it shouldn't have been in the hindsight. But now that I had a new reason, a new motivation, and new practice partner, things turn, turned around. And so from that kind of an aha moment, I wanted to share with you something I consider pretty important. And you may not feel that way, and I know that a lot of immigrants in the past who would move to the U.S., even though they came from all over the world, they would basically say, we're Americans now, and we will speak English completely forsaking their native tongue or maybe speaking it on the side, but they would insist that their kids were speaking English. 
And you guys, I have actually seen this firsthand with the newest immigrants. I would see Czech couples moving from the Czech Republic to the U.S. for maybe a work opportunity. And they would end up getting married, having children. And you know what they did? They didn't speak Czech. They would speak Czech together, but with the baby, they felt strongly that they should speak English so that they wouldn't set them back. What they didn't know, and what you might not know, is that our human brain is an amazing, amazing organ. It is very capable at creating new synapses, new connections, new neuron connections all the time. There is a, this thing called neuroplast, neuroplasticity of the brain. And I guess I'll talk about it tomorrow some more, how it actually works in terms of um, maybe having a bilingual family and what it looks like. But I can share with you this, that learning a second language or passing on the second language is really not tough for the baby. And it won't, it won't hurt them. And if anything, it will actually increase their odds of being successful in life in general. So much like you learning a new language, I would highly encourage you to keep your original language because it will keep your brain working well. You're actually strengthening and your health, your brain health, and I would say you're protecting it against uh, dementia and Alzheimer and all these things because you are truly using the full capabilities of your brain. That's a good thing, you guys. It's a really good thing. I would say it's even better than Sudoku. And the reason you need to do that is because your brain is smart. And I think I had mentioned that yesterday or the day before. Simply, your brain is super efficient and it tries to maximize what it can as far as uh, optimal functioning so that it can focus on number one priority, which is keeping you safe. So it tries to, um, it tries to put everything on autopilot or as many things it, as it can so that it can free up its capacity to focus on protecting you at any cost. Any and all cost. So that's why if Sonia doesn't speak Czech, if she doesn't use her Czech language, the brain says, well, just file it away. We don't need it now. And we'll just focus on using what she uses the most frequently. That's how it works. And you need to counter that notion by introducing new things and kind of making the brain works hard, work hard, but it's all good. And I wanted to kind of share with you this point that came to me as I was thinking about the topic for today. And that is, my friend, that you and I have a very special gift. And that gift is your maternal language. You may not feel the same about it if you live in the culture where you were born and you never moved away. And you would take it for granted and that's natural. And I would feel very much the same way as you might. Because it was never really tested or questioned. Whereas when you move away, 
and you live in another language, your other language becomes more precious to you. After all, it is a language of your first loves, first I love yous, first emotional connection. It's, it's your heart language, you guys. You know, you heard from your parents and your maybe your guardians or friends, all these sweet words. And the longer you've lived in that language, the more emotional connections you've created. So no, one, no wonder that this would be your heart language. That's only natural. And you guys, just another um, kind of an interesting point. I have heard of a couple, and I believe that the lady actually was from the Czech Republic, Czech Republic or from another culture. It's not important. And she was living successfully in another culture, speaking a second language. What happened at one point in her life, she got stroke. She got a stroke. And when she was recovering, that center in her brain where the secondary language was stored, I don't know if it atrophied or what happened, but she lost the ability to speak the second language and she only could recall the primary language. That's how deeply rooted our maternal tongue is. That's how important it is. It's truly connected to your heart. So I would strongly suggest and urge you to keep it, protect it. And it's, you know, it's quite possible that your ancestors, your dads and granddads and great granddads were fighting hard to protect it, you know, for the right to use it. You know, I'm sure it has its history, drama, its depth. It's so unique and it's beautiful. It was entrusted to you. And so I feel that I have the obligation and uh, the responsibility and, and uh, the privilege to, to continue that. Because to continue my language is to continue my traditions and to continue my culture. So I feel that strongly that I should guard it and I should also pass it on in any shape or form, whether I have children or not. So it really does take on much deeper meaning to me when uh, or once I moved away. It was, for one, much harder to connect on that heart-to-heart -heart level in that heart language. You had to be creative and use maybe not as perfect words to express very strong emotions and feelings. And so suddenly it hit me and I, and I understood. And I so much appreciated all those people that went before me, the, the people of the 19th century who became enlightened and really dug deeper at, to, to, to fight for the language at their own personal cost, whether it was their health or their finances, to really bring it back bring it back from the attic, from the, you know, dark places where it was put away. Because ever since we became a part of Habsburg monarchy in 1527, the Czech language suffered greatly for the next three or so centuries. 
because the dominant language became German, became popular because that was the language of the officials, the government officials. It it became the language of wealthy people. So if you wanted to mean something in the society, you had to use German or Latin. And pretty quickly, Czech became antiquated and became a language of poor people. And these people, such as Božena Němcová and many, many other people, who was a female Czech author who really brought back the Czech language and would fight hard, along with many other people that I cannot remember right now, but I am happy to really actually dive into history lesson in another episode to really speak more about it. You know, I'm grateful for these people because because of them, I now can have that language. I can have that heart-to-heart connection. And just like they were guarding and protecting and rescuing the Czech from its sure death, I too have the same responsibility and feel the same obligation to do that for the future generation. So once I became mom and uh, now I have two children, I do make sure I speak Czech with them. I will dedicate another episode to the whole bilingual thing and how you can try um, implementing bilingual into your family structure. But for now, I can tell you that the motivation became extremely strong. And uh, the, the more time has passed by, the more resources have become available through internet mainly, such as YouTube, but even Google. I mean, nowadays we have Google Translate. I remember before I had to like dig into dictionaries and I don't know if you guys still use dictionaries like the, you know, books anymore. But if by now you're convinced that, yeah, you do have that calling, that obligation to protect your own language, even though maybe before you didn't feel as strongly about it. So now what's a girl to do? What should we do, you guys? How do we protect our language? And assuming that you don't want to wait until you become a parent, should you ever become become a parent? Maybe that's not something that is, uh, an, uh, that is an option for you. What could you do to protect your your language and maybe some of these suggestions you already do and practice and that's perfect and if you have some other ideas and suggestions I would love to hear about them but definitely since we have internet I would highly recommend keeping up with uh, Czech or whatever your language is Czech books movies music because all these things will strengthen your heart connection with that language and will also make it much easier to really be fluent. Secondly, you could also, and you should, not only you could, but you should, keep contact with your people back home, wherever home is. It's much easier now than it was before, so you really have no excuse. And it may not be your calling plan, but really, there are so many cheap plans via messenger calling. Messenger calling is free. There's Zoom. There, there's other, you know, there are other options that you can exercise. 
Another one, and that's a little bit tricky, you guys, would be to host an exchange student. There are many agencies, and you would have to do a little exploring in your own town or city where you live, how to go about hosting an exchange student. And it would be either high school or college. And that's an interesting option. It may, and I'm, I'm saying interesting because it could backfire. On one hand, you might have a student from your home country, and that might be exciting, and that student might be very easygoing and very willing to speak your language with you. On the other hand, you could get a student that will be very much after practicing their English skills or their whatever language you live in. And like what happened to me, I had a student from the Czech Republic. And not only she really wanted to practice English, for, for, for which I cannot blame her, but she was also demanding that I would stop speaking Czech to my children, which was a non-negotiable. I did not see that uh, being an option. So that's something that you need to be thinking about ahead of time. Another thing or idea would be to travel as much as possible to all the places that speak your language. Because that will keep you current. Also connecting with people as much as you can, maybe connecting to local clubs or organizations. Even like um, online on Facebook, there are many, many groups that can kind of help you stay connected to that culture and keep that heart connection that is necessary. But regardless what you guys, what you do, one thing is certain. You have to make it an intentional thing. There is no such thing as accidental keeping your language alive. If you're just trying to wing it, you might as well not try at all. Because chances of it happening when you're living in a dominant culture of another language are not good. The odds are really not good. So that would be it for tonight. But I think we have a work cut out for tomorrow and we will truly talk about bilingual families and what it takes to have one, to create what it takes to create one, maybe some possible resources for you. And um, we'll see how much we can squeeze it into, say, 20 minutes or so. So with that being said, you enjoy the rest of the day, and I will catch you tomorrow.